We're back on the Exit 52 podcast, Instant Analysis, Sunday night, November 26th, 11.34 p.m. Shout out to Superman 11.34. What a song. My name is Jake Luke. I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. And uh, here we are. The Ravens uh, stun the San Diego Chargers. Let me switch my... Ravens take out the Chargers with a big, fat dub. Shocking them when it felt like the Chargers might be able to swindle a win. The Ravens were able to grab victory out of the jaws of defeat. Doing that whole... Out of the jowls of defeat, some might say. Sorry about that. Jowls. Oh, you're good. The jowls of defeat. Uh, The Ravens able to not let one slip through their fingers that many thought they would. The NBC production throws on a wonderful little graphic there and says... Oh, the Ravens have blown 12 fourth quarter leads dating back over the last three years or whatever it was. Oh, the Chargers have lost seven consecutive one score games. And it feels like the unstoppable force of Brandon Staley making last minute boo-boos meets the immovable object of John Harbaugh's dead stone face. A true true tornado meets a volcano situation. Shout out to bad girl. King King Kong versus Godzilla, some might say. What, what was this fucking game, man? I don't, I don't you know, it, it looked like things were moving swimmingly there for the offense early. Defense was doing their thing. And then the offense just kind of, you know, stalled out. It kind of reminded the old, the old Vince Young quote, you know, chill out for the first three quarters, then go the fuck off. But they didn't even really go the fuck off in the fourth quarter. They got that one drive that they needed and uh, they had one and they smoked it uh, per my recommendation uh, with the little Zay Flowers uh, end around uh, type play there, a jet sweep, whatever it was. Almost, I mean, Sneaky almost had a little bit of a Justice Hill situation there on the uh, the handoff there, but he secures it down, uh, slips his way inside, and he just takes off. And shout out to the Settleman with the all-time bad take there that he should have gotten down. I think you got you to gotta plunge that knife in there like you were saying. I needed to watch Zay Flowers do what he did. So going down there doesn't, doesn't do it. And the Ravens were able to get off the field so many times. And you just have to give a credit to Mike McDonald's unit. You have to give a credit to Roquan Smith, Jadevian Clowney, guys like Patrick Queen, guys like Kyle Hamilton, guys like Justin Matabike, guys like Brandon Stevens. And the Ravens are able to get off the field time and time and time again. And much to Justin Herbert's credit, I thought he hung in there. I think he played a he wasn't spectacular by any means, but I think Justin Herbert played about as well as he could have given what was called, what he options he had, where he could go with the football and the talent around him. And the Ravens were able to get off the field time and time and time and time and time again, aside from really one field goal they allow after a nice scripted drive from the Chargers, able to get off the field there ultimately, and then a touchdown drive where Justin Herbert steps up, breaks contain, and flips the field. And uh, after getting off the field on, I think, a 19-play drive, the Ravens' defense just gassed. Chargers go four of 13 on third, or excuse me, seven of 15 on third down, one of three on fourth down, including a uh, a late stop to really end the game there on fourth and long. Herbert not even able to really get anything going. Chargers rush for 87, 86 yards, most of which, uh, not most, but a large chunk on that Herbert scramble. Ravens did a nice job being able to keep Austin Eckler, Eckler and Josh Kelly in tight. And the Ravens win the total net yardage, 361 to 279. The Ravens finished with 197 yards on the ground. And to me, this feels like a game as we welcome in one Senor Taylor Smythe. It felt like a game where the Ravens ran for 197 yards. And sure, a good bit of that is on the Zay Flowers uh, dagger. But felt like a game where they should have run for 300 yards. Felt like a game where they should have done what they did to the Seahawks and what they did to the Lions. There's a sequence there, and we have a lot to talk about. There's a sequence there, I believe, in the fourth quarter. The Ravens get a stop, get the ball back, and Gus Edwards on their own side of the field gets a nice little five, six-yard gain, I think on a split zone concept, something like that. I'm trying to scroll and find it. But uh, then the Ravens just throw two incompletions in a row and punt the ball right back to the Chargers right after getting off the field. It felt like we saw Lamar Jackson get a little bit spooked at the end of the first half. His protection was crappy. He gets hit a couple times. He starts getting into that quick feet Quick processing, quick, 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 a little too fast, which makes him slow at other times. The the tempo and rhythm falls off. Um, would have just really liked to see Lincoln slow things down and just ride Gus Edwards and keep it. And it feels like that's such a post-game thing on your local radio station to always say. 
But man, could they have just ridden Gus Edwards and Keaton Mitchell a little bit earlier, a little bit more often, and probably put this one away early? But don't want to be the uh, the girl crying loss when you want. And the Ravens do do enough, particularly on the defensive side of the football, to get off there. A couple really weird challenge situations, really weird calls. Starts out with a Justin Herbert getting kind of knocked out of bounds. Definitely should have been a flag. Geno Stone. I think the hit was a little bit exaggerated because of the sound of Geno Stone's elbow, it looked like, hitting Herbert in the shoulder pads. But uh, Jake and Taylor, what were you guys' thoughts on that whole debacle that started early on with challenges, non-challenges, calls, non-calls? I mean, it was a ref show. It was a hardball show and everything in between. The uh, So the challenges, they were – it was egregious not to challenge those two, right? It, it certainly was. I think that first one, I mean, I really don't know what was going on with that one. The second one, I mean – you know, it, it, that's certainly it, like me to me. The story there more is like refs. What the fuck are we doing? Absolutely. That's always going to be the story. But yeah, bad job by John. But to me, like that was almost going to obscure the fact that the story of this game for me was the offensive line along the perimeter. Absolutely. Because it looked like they were covering up for that pretty well when the offense was humming a little bit early. We mentioned the RPOs and how effective they were and how those quick passes were kind of an extension of the run game. And the run game was doing okay uh, in and of itself. Keaton Mitchell actually got the start in this game, and he looked pretty good, I thought. And as soon as the offensive line just kind of started to crumble, that facade started to crack, and the Chargers were making some things happen with their front seven. Khalil Mack looking great. They were just overpowered by this front seven. Uh, and this defense is not particularly very good, and they have some good players. I know Joey Bosa's out, but Khalil Mack is in there and everything. Overall, to me, this offensive line, I mean, that was a concerning performance, and this is a much-needed bye week coming up. Ronnie Stanley has to get right. Like, he has to get right moving forward because if they had not walked away with a win here i know everyone would be talking about the challenges but to me it was the offensive line taylor what do you think yeah i mean i think that the the like easy storyline to talk about is definitely the like some of the coaching decisions spending kind of you know went over the offensive decision making i thought at times was a little spotty in terms of what they were trying to do and I, I I don't know how you don't have someone in the booth that's radioing down to tell you to challenge those calls. I mean that that's crazy. I mean we we know that they do have someone yeah. doing that. Yeah. I just don't I mean everybody know what has goes yeah. into this decision. The officiating not- there, yeah, the officiating there is obviously awful too. I mean, like you shouldn't even have to make those calls, but um, to like not have them made. I also think those play calls, are- by the way, Taylor. After the non challenges, they were just rushing those out too. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They're just rushing those out. They're just rushing those out. Who, who drew those up? Was it Kevin Smith? Andrew Kevin Walker did the one against the Chiefs two years ago. This one was Kevin Greg, Smith. Greg Andrew Kevin Walker Roman. I mean, I mean Kevin Smith would would uh, write a direct snap to Gus Edwards when you have Lamar Jackson. I mean, he would. He'd probably do that. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I agree with what you said about the offensive line, Jake. This is this is the Ravens defense on a on a primetime game. It's, this is their kind of like announcement to the world. I think, to me, that was my main takeaway from the game. I know they allowed some yards, but the four takeaways, the just like taking the life out of the Chargers at really every point. Um, I, I thought I, I just think that they that they really stepped up in this game. Obviously, you you win a game twenty to ten, and when you're up thirteen to ten, and you get the game store. Zay Flowers, you know, I feel like. This will be a reference for Maryland fans. I feel like Randy Edsel with Cam Chisholm running a, a kick return back. Chat to my guy Keith Sned, who brought that to my attention. Very good reference by him on a, on a text. But I just, I just was so impressed defensively by what they did. I know you know the Chargers obviously have some weapons. They have Eckler. They have Keenan Allen. They're not fully stocked with no Mike Williams, but um, I, I just think they're fantastic. I, Roquan and Queen flying around as they normally do. Kyle Hamilton's starting to kind of ascend into this like national conversation about defensive play, best defensive players in the league. I think that's going to start to happen the way all he's pro moving. he's and Mike Tirico said it. He's definitely elevated into that all pro conversation yep. and watching him do it on a national stage. He, he was arguably the story of the night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, he just did it in every which way. So to me, it, it, like obviously there'll be a ton of discussion about the offense, not being able to, finish drives and, and what the play calling situation was and all that. But I, I, I think the defensive performance should not be um, understated here. They were fantastic. Um, created the turnovers they needed to and, and kind of did everything else. So I was very impressed. They're not even with no Marlin, you know, out there. I mean, they, they really put it together. 
And by the way, when when Mike McDonald needed to dial up a great defensive call, he did consistently throughout the game. So. And consistent great efforts. I mean, the Clowney, the strip sack, just when they needed it. Arthur Mullet, yeah. essentially with the sack, just when they needed it. it turned into uh, intentional grounding. But yeah, you're right. Just when they need these plays. They that was a great play by Clowney, too. Like the speed rush and then the way he kind of like contorted his body to like come back with his hand down onto Herbert. By the way, yeah, I kind of feel bad for Justin Herbert when I watch the oh, charts. Yeah. I'm yeah. just like, this guy is going out there. He gets killed in every game. Um, he's he just he, he's got rolling. like it's been like six weeks and he still has his middle finger yeah. like on his non throwing hand, he just completely wrapped up really hard. He keeps trying and they're just not well coached, that, dude. That 35 yard scramble that was like, that was like, is this the moment? Like, is this kind of the the dagger that we're going to look back at? And no, yeah, where he finally, yeah, they tighten it's up. Just, you, you watch him and you're like, how do they have him and how are they four and six or four and seven? It's just like feel for them so they got to figure something out but this is not a chargers podcast but that just comes every time like the chargers come on my screen and i watch like a quarter or they come on red zone and justin herbert's just running for his life for i mean last last week he throws a dime to quentin johnson against the packers at the end of the game and it just caroms off his fingertips um and and it was written in stone that zay flowers would pop off in this game in the face of the chargers who did choose to take someone that clearly had red flags and I, I liked Quentin Johnson coming out. I thought he was a LaVisca Chenault type with a little more speed and someone that you can get the football in his hand in creative ways, try to develop him. He's got more speeds. So you can hope he can you know, do some things at deep target. But man, oh man, I mean, they, they showed the graphic 50 times. That's going to be, it feels like for years, looking back on Addison, who's such a nice player already, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't lit the world on fire yet, but it started to round into form after an injury. And yeah, man, and just, the one-handed just, the one-handed catch on Thursday kind of showed you what he could do there. Certainly, and we we, we all saw it. You see the flashes starting to to pile on in as as he gets comfortable uh, after that injury. But man, Zay Flowers um, generating separation in the end zone, going up and grabbing that ball, uh, yanking it out. Uh, to me, it's a guess. Guess kind of switch gears there, though. It's just the epitome of this game came down to. I think three plays here Four, excuse me. Yeah. Three plays. So Lamar Jackson scrambles gets pushed out of bound by Kenneth Murray on third and three with four minutes and 48 seconds left in the second quarter. And that may, maybe, maybe Lamar Jackson didn't get it. And we hear, uh, what, what is it? Terry McCauley on the NBC broadcast saying that, uh, you know, at the time the ball went out of bounds, so on and so forth. Okay. That's fine. I get it. Uh, but it just felt like in the first half, you want to slow things down. You don't care about a timeout maybe as much when you're going to get the ball after halftime. And it, to me, it felt like Harbaugh, and, and Jake, we've talked about this so many times, wants to be the smartest in the room, wants to be so smart. I would wager a couple of shekels, just a, a couple coins, that Harbaugh said, no, that's okay, we'll go for it. I think we can get it because I want to keep my third timeout in my pocket because I want to get the ball back again after we go for it and get it and score so that I can try and double up so that I can go try and kick a field goal before the end of halftime, maybe score a touchdown, then get the ball back and score again. I guarantee that doubling up at the half in some way crossed John Harbaugh's mind. And it so often feels like they try to drive over the bridge before it's built, slow the game down. You have the better team. You have the better record. You have the better, uh, and hey, Herbert's outstanding. Lamar's playing winning football. And, and not that Herbert's not necessarily, but you've got the guy that's win winning games. Slow the game down. You might even, guess what? Get the challenge. You might win the challenge, John. So um, that was so peculiar and felt so wrong and off. Then they go into the second play of it, which is a wildcat direct snap to Gus Edwards with freaking Gus Edwards or with Lamar Jackson motioned out wide as we we have a uh, bye week B coming up. Hello, Brian. You look great. How are we doing? Doing well. We're, we're talking. We're talking about the freaking you. You hear us. So the Wildcat Gus Edwards stuffed. Okay. Chargers run the ball once, and then Roquan Smith comes up and just suns. Keenan Allen just holds him up and knocks him down. And those three plays were the epitome of this football game. Mike McDonald, his guys, his defense, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, Kyle Hamilton, Justin Matabike, Jadevian Klein. Those guys won this game. 
And boy, oh boy, like boy, oh boy, did they have to make play after play. Like this wasn't a defense that was like playing tight coverage and, you know, just being sound. It was like, no, they had to go strip Justin Herbert. They had to go punch the ball out. They had to go pick the ball off, get off the field on fourth down, get pressure. Like they had to take this game away from the Chargers. So as equally as confounding and confusing as it was watching John Harbaugh's decision-making several times, it was equally impressive from the Ravens defense to punch the Chargers in the fucking face and take this game away to move to nine and three here and sit atop the AFC. Brian, thoughts? I know you have many on these challenges, these calls, these situations, these high leverage plays. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what you've gotten into so far, but this game was the the masterpiece for the uh, Mike McDonald should be the next head coach and Harbaugh needs to go crowd. Like this is the game that everyone will, will go to. Um, you said it exactly right. Um, the phrase like your best offense is is a great defense is is a phrase that's not exactly applicable here. Like they literally had to go on the attack. They attacked and attacked and attacked. Um, and as the game progressed, they like they had to dial that up even more and even more. And they they came up huge like time and time again. Um, and we've seen games where like they've been asked to do that one too many times, and it comes back to pay. And this time it didn't. But man. Um, as I was just writing the blog and posted on Barstool a couple minutes ago, I had to like continue to think of the other thing and then the other thing and then the other thing that Harbaugh did along the way that was just like, what are we doing here? Like even the the fourth down that you mentioned with with the 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 Wildcat run with with Gus, we had a very similar fourth down later in the game where we're in shotgun. Like, why are we doing that? Like, why don't we just do what every other team is doing in today's NFL? Doesn't need to be a tush push, but like just like power through, take the yard, just be bigger and more physical than them. We're typically more physical than opposition year in and year out. Lean in and in into that. Like, what are we doing? Um, it's just, it's so recurring that it's hard to imagine this team reeling off three to four games against really good teams and not having these issues reoccur again and end up having it shoot us in the foot and eventually end our season. We got a bye week and we've got some really tough games coming up where we can hopefully fix those things. But like something is broken in the process, whether it's challenges or in-game decision-making, like everything has to be evaluated during this bye week and those processes need to be fixed. Like it's not a philosophical thing or it's just like a complete and total broken system that they have in place right now. I, I almost like the phrase here that doing something wrong is better than taking too long to think about doing nothing. Like the definition, whatever, I, I botched that. You guys know what I mean. But <laughs> it makes sense. I, I don't know. It's the indecision phrase, whatever yeah. that is. Indecision versus decision. And I think that is epitomized later even in the fact that we have, and we had a, a comment here, Matt B., you go Justice Hill handoff. I don't know if anyone else is picking up on this, but Harbaugh is wrapping into the play sheet, has has the play sheet covering his mouth. I don't see that very often. There was also in the right around that same time in the game, Eric DaCosta is like five feet away from him. And he's talking over to him and like what they're gonna do if they don't get the like it, it was weird, man. It was, it was, I haven't seen that before. You can't close a game out by committee. Absolutely. And I think like that, it, it goes back to what we talked about spending even a couple of years ago, where in 2019, it was, Hey, do you want to go for this? Do you want to go for that? Very collaborative. And it was all working, but at a certain point, like when it's, when that stopped working, you know, two years ago, last year, whatever it was, John, just fucking make a decision, just be decisive and go out there and, you know, and like you said, Brian, just simplify it. Just follow Pat Ricard, hand the ball to Gus Edwards in these clutch situations. How many times have we seen that? where he comes in and he closes the game out and it's just way easier and, you know, way more simple than it looks oftentimes. Like it doesn't have to be as complicated as they're making it look. More is lost I, by indecision I, than wrong decision. There we go. That's what I wanted to get out of my mouth. You're just, you're Mr. Uh, uh, you're Mr. Like uh, Mr. Old wise tale sayings here. You've got the Ozzie Newsome, Nick Saban thing with the, uh, you know, past performance, future performance. Now you got big, this big Confucius on. guy, big Confucius guy. Are you entering the era? <laughs> What's troubling you, Brian? 
I don't even know if Gus Edwards was set in the right spot on that direct snap. I think he was two right. yards deeper he than he should have been. For it. Yeah, he had to like reach up for he, it. I, I think I don't even think he he knew what yard the line of scrimmage was. It at. Like it was total total unpreparedness. It was it rushed. Was amateur, it, was, it was amateur hour. It wasn't Mark Ingram against the Texans, you know, full head of steam, just take it and fucking go. Like it was very much he had a you know Adam Jones it, and then you know he had no momentum going forward. But it's the definition. So then we, we get back to and what I wanted to hit on was the the third and three here. Justice Hill number you you can have a whole conversation about that. Fuck it, it's Justice Hill. But then the Ravens decide to, or excuse me, couldn't decide to get the field goal unit on in time comfortably. So then suddenly it was like almost a delay of game. I thought it was going to be a delay of game. The ball gets snapped. Tucker yanks one. And sure, if you want to have a conversation about Tucker, go ahead. I'm not going to participate in it. But how are you that panicked at that point in the game with timeouts and knowing that, guess what? If you probably just took a delay of game, I can't, uh, what was the field goal? I don't know, 47 yards. 40, 44. 40, that, that's even worse. So you turn it into 49. Tucker is fine. It, it, 45 to 50 is the same difference to Justin Tucker. It reminded Palmer, me of when they rushed him out there in the AFC Championship. Like, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and to your point, you know, I, I, Harbaugh made me feel like a jerk tonight. I earlier this year, I'm like, well, he historically has been a very good game manager and he hasn't been this year in close games. He has not been at all this year. Steelers game that felt panicked Colts game made a blunder. Like I, I've been playing a lot of chess lately. Blunder gave up a rook like blunder again tonight rushed onto the field blunder justice Hills on the field blunder. Don't challenge blunder. Don't challenge again. And lo and behold, Ultimately, we have Greg Fritz here saying 42. So sure, whatever. That's that's like a 95% field goal to like a 93% field goal by taking a fucking delay a game instead of rushing it and doing this panicky bullshit. So I don't trust. There's two things that I don't trust about this Ravens team right now. Actually, I'll say three. If you want to have a meta conversation, I guess to shift it going into the bye, you can come back, talk about other things. I'm, I'm rambling, but I don't trust John Harbaugh right now in these high leverage situations. I don't trust the Ravens offensive line and I don't trust Lamar Jackson. When protection breaks down, he has consistently gotten spooked. And I think that most quarterback, I think all quarterbacks are capable of getting spooked, but we have seen th four games. They have lost three of them where he has gotten spooked by getting hit. He got spooked by pressure. I don't think that it's even just that. I don't think that, the collaborative effort of Todd Munkin and John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson and all of the offensive coaches and the wide receivers, the offense as a whole and the team are alleviating pressure effectively enough when their offensive line starts getting their shit pushed in. They are not finding answers to quell pressure once Lamar Jackson gets spooked and then he gets erratic and then their offense stalls out and then their defense is on the field. The Chargers had a 19 play drive in the second half. And it was just like, how? How is this happening again? So those, to me, are the three things I'm looking at this bye week. When shit hits the fan, protection-wise, how are you going to turn the boat around? How are you going to drop your anchor and, and you know, lock all the windows, lock all the doors, like, calm down, bear down? So those things, to me, are just a perfect time, but I don't know that they can fix it. So it's it's troubling, but the Ravens are 9-3 and three first in the AFC in every – Every team outside of the Eagles has problems right now. I have a one, one suggestion as it relates to the in-game coaching. Do we, during this bye week, do we just pick up the phone and call Jerry Rosberg? Like, is that a viable solution? The, there was a big punt return late in this game as well. The yeah. Chargers had a big punt return, probably 20, 25 yards. They rattled off from the sideline, wrapped it back around and up the other sideline and stole a bunch of field position <clears> on a, a simple slew of bad angles um I, i'm not even talking about for was ahc yeah as well yeah i'm not even talking for the special team side of things i'm talking about what the broncos essentially did for for nathaniel hackett last year which was like we need to get some guy in here who knows what the fuck to do with the timeouts with the clock with the down and distance with just all those little things we just need a like a, a goddamn game management guru or something that is but that's what a head coach is supposed to be to like your boy's turn and he is the man in the booth well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like at a certain point, it's like, hey, John, 
just figure it the fuck out, man. Take a bye week, you know, have a couple, have a couple margaritas, yeah. maybe go out back, have a, you know, smoke a little ganj and just chill the fuck out. And like, let's just get through this bye week. These guys are probably fried and they've played so much football, you know, all the way, you know, through the entire season. Like it's just been game after game and a lot of travel and a lot of this. And it's just like, let's just take this bye week, circle it up. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like the whole thing about, winning games by committee it just like i i don't really agree with that and i think somebody there's you can just tell that it's not like 2019 to add on to your point there's too many chefs in the kitchen you can feel it yeah and i i do think that it would be wise for tacosta to not be on the sideline and say this to john but sit him down in his office over the bye week they you know they live next to each other just sit him down and say hey man you're the fucking captain here let's just calm things down you've done this before you know obviously it hasn't gone great this year but Let's just reprioritize things. Let's get our get our shit together, essentially, and just get back out there and get ready to go win against a, a gauntlet of teams because it's gonna be it's gonna be a very tough tough stretch to close it out. But ultimately, I don't want to just totally harp on the bad parts of it because they did get the win here tonight, and I think a big part of that goes back to talent. And you have to give to Costa a lot of credit because when this play with Zay Flowers was needed to be made at, in a game like this last year. No fucking chance. No way. You would have James. They do, they do Renee on this on the sweep instead. Do Renee on the sweep. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> they tried to. Yeah. Well, they did, and one of them really <laughs> worked out. And like you just the the talent was not there at this time last year. Now they have talent to overcome. It's just a matter of settling things down, and that's where I'm a little more encouraged. You have Zay Flowers making the play on the touchdown. You have him making the play close things out. A coming out game for him on the big stage was huge. A coming out game for Kyle Hamilton on the big stage was huge. That's a big confidence builder for these players at the very least. So that's good. But yeah, man, John, take the fucking bye week and figure your shit out because like you got to figure it out. And ultimately, like I am encouraged by the win because what did I say, Spenny, after those two losses against the Colts and the Steelers where I was freaking out a little bit? I was saying you can't afford to lose games like this because you're going to have tough games where you got to go against the Chargers across the country on prime time. And if you lose those, that's when you get in trouble. So at least they got the win here. But yeah, definitely some things to iron out still. 100%. I don't want to dwell on too many negative things. There are definitely some concerning things. I do want to make sure Taylor, I know you've been stewing over there. You get get some get some thoughts in. I don't know if I'm stewing. I think you guys like covered the I don't, it's not stewing, but you're uh you've been you're Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing a you've lot. You've been I'm, I'm, I'm up some guys, which, is, which is always fun. I think that um I think it's an interesting point for the team to go into the bye week off of this game. Because it, it's a lot of time for discussion amongst the sort of noise that will go around the team. If you win this game convincingly, you go in after that sort of magical Thursday night with the way the atmosphere was and beating a division rival and all those things. You go across the country, you beat a team that you're clearly better than, but, you know, convincingly. And then, you know, everyone's kind of quiet for two weeks and just waiting for the team to come back. Now you're going to have a week of all the stuff you guys just talked about. You know, what is John Harbaugh doing in game, you know, in the game management stuff? Like some of the stuff you talked about with Lamar spinning, I think is a good point to bring up. Like at times he, you know, hasn't necessarily like in this game, I was just waiting for him to just elevate his level to put the game away. Like you're going to, I think, you know, we've all kind of said this in different ways. Like if you're going to get paid a quarter of a billion dollars, it's like take the ball and go win the game. Um, but he didn't necessarily do that. They obviously got it done with the Zay Flowers play at the end. Um but I think there's, it's like there's going to be weirdly negative energy around a team that at the end of the day is nine and three and is in the position to do everything that everybody wants, right? Win the division, get the number one seed, put yourself in a great position um, to make the Super Bowl. All those things are still on tap, and they're going to get healthier. Like you know, Marlon's going to come back and blah blah blah. I I I think it's a very interesting. It's just such the conjecture around this team is just fascinating to me, and I guess that's every team. Every team has their like little things. Well, I think but it's I think it's interesting spent, to you at this exact point in time. Minutes. We've spent thirty minutes, and eighty percent of it has been negative after the ninth win of the season. To make I think I would say I'm encouraged by I really encouraged by the way they closed it out. And like I'm going to give you a little uh, little pearl here, Spenny. I think it's like the, a Navy SEAL saying that like in moments of high stress, you don't rise to the occasion; you sink to your level of training and preparedness. And I think we saw that because there are moments. And we've seen it throughout the season. Look at the Browns game where it looked like they were trying to like do too much and rise to the occasion. It looked like in this one when it started to tilt back their way uh, with that drive there. And obviously it didn't go well with the Tucker miss, but you had that one drive, which was pretty nice. And then you had the one to close it out. It felt like they did settle things down a little bit. And Munkin had that, you know, play dialed up for flowers and he went and made the play. And that is where having that talent there raises your floor, raises you to be able to 
kind of just settle things down and, uh, and, and meet the moment there a little bit. So that was encouraging to me. Love it. And you know me, I hate negativity after wins, but there were just so many confusing and uncomfortable moments that occurred. Did, or did, did we talk about the halftime snafu? Like, have we touched on that? I don't know what you're the eight, eight seconds left, fourth and uh, 14. Like yeah. I, I thought Harbaugh was cooking up one of his next level things where I'm like, oh, oh, when it unfolds, it's like, oh, okay, that made sense. And then they were just all, over I mean, well, just, I was fine just, because they, the Chargers wouldn't really be able to do anything after a play. And if you get it, you can try for a field goal. I, I didn't, I didn't think that one was too crazy. It if, felt like there was going to be, I, I think they wanted a certain look. And then it was Lamar. If you don't get that exact look, throw this into the stands. And I think he just threw it in the stands. I don't know. We'll, we'll go back and watch that one. But again, it, to your point, Brian, it felt like collaborate, collaboration, 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 time, 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 deliberate, 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 nothing. Like there's no creativity. There's no no pizzazz there, nothing at all. Uh, so many interesting things. We have some positive things I want to hit on. We can stew back. But Ian Smith here, can we talk about Isaiah Likely bought out in the first half? Yes, he absolutely did. Isaiah Likely is fast and strong and is a – outstanding runner after the catch. I would say as a tight end, he is borderline elite after the catch. He really can hit a, put his foot in the ground, get North and South, make guys miss run through guys. Um, we see him jump cutting, doing all kinds of things. Can I, I'll, I'll sidebar. I really enjoyed the clapper tonight. I thought the clapper was great. Yeah. I was, I wanted to bring that up. Taylor, what did you think of the clapper? I thought he got subbed in there last minute for Chris. He came in. I was a little, listen, I'm not the biggest fan of the clapper in the studio, but uh, I thought he brought it tonight with the analysis and he was, he wasn't trying to do too much either. I liked it. I thought he was fine. I, I can't, I can't go overboard on praise for the clapper. The clapper was <laughs> subpar um, for a Maryland game against Michigan state. And I can't get that out of my head. Him and Jack Collinsworth was just such a kind of monotone. Well, that's through. the biggest spot in the world. How can you not get up for a game like that? I think Tariko, I think Tariko kind of, I think Tariko really helps the clapper because Tariko put him in better spots to succeed. He was like clearly trying to bring him in the conversation at moments where Collinsworth would normally just naturally insert himself because Collinsworth, it, Collinsworth is the broadcast when he's on there because he's been on there for so long. We'd be remembering this. He had a little comment about Maria Taylor there that was. Uh, yeah, I mean the clap. Like the, there was the clip going around of he like can't help himself. He, of, you know, Rico trying to do like the outro into like the beach in L.A. and that was his. Uh, that was his bags of sand moment. Uh, Steve Carell. Pretty good. It's just like I mean, it's amazing. I will say it's amazing that that's NBC's best second plan. Like if they don't have Collinsworth, it's like Jason Garrett who. 75% of the country can't stand and gets made fun of every week on that pregame show. It's like, that's who you put in the booth. I'm I, thought he was, I thought he was good relative to expectation. I thought he was excellent. Here's and what he did. Here's what he did a great job. He stayed within himself. He didn't try to overdo it. He didn't try to make himself a part of the game. He just kind of, you know, hit some obvious things, but like as opposed to Nance and Romo during the Eagles Bills game where they are just like constantly talking. I mean, it's, the talking just never stops. And it's like those guys are like playing 18 at Pebble Beach and just talking, walking down the fairway. Like they can't, and they probably are tomorrow. Like they're probably like on a charter to go play tomorrow with Josh Allen. But like there's just no, there's just no stop. And and Garrett was just like, he was just kind of hitting his spots. So I will give the clapper that. But that this is an expectation game. I mean, he, the expectations were so like, when he shows up in the booth at the beginning of the game, I'm sure everyone's just like, oh no. Oh, I also I love the explanation that Collinsworth is just enjoying Thanksgiving with his family. Like, good for him. Like, thanks, Chris. Him and Jack are probably just pouring out some, uh, pouring <laughs> out. Some the, Jack is working the game. Yeah, well, I'm surprised they didn't. I was going to say, I'm surprised they didn't sub Jack in there for uh, for the Chris spot. I mean, Jack had the uh, he had an abysmal showing in one of the Notre Dame games this year, so I think he that might well, be. You watch Notre Dame and Jack and Jason are just so kind of like along for the ride that the clapper is such such a low bar for me. Well, it was Jack's. Uh, I, I don't know if Jack was doing play by play or color, but he was in the booth for one of these games. Like, he was abysmal. He does play by play for him. He's NBC's like him and the clapper are like NBC's Notre Dame crew. And their secondary Big Ten crew, so they're on game, and you turn them on, and I'm just like, oh my god, pronounce Tungavailoa right, and I just can't, I can't do. I that can't. Under Maryland, Jason, Jason, Jason does not know college football. Let's, Jason let's called Talia Tua like seven times during. He the doesn't game. know just, college football. I can't get this out of my head. He I doesn't just, know college football. So I'm good for you guys for giving the clap. I don't know if he's ever even coached college football. He probably has. He probably has. But he played it. I mean, he played it. 
he played it, but I don't know that he's been in the real scene in 15 plus years. Yeah, he was fine. Years. He was fine. The, the, the NBC I, Sunday night broadcast is just kind of fine right now. It's not unbelievable. It's just kind of fine. Even with Tariq and Kyle. Well, that's what I was saying, Spenny. Like, their presentation is great, but the crew, maybe there's a little bit of a yeah, chemistry. Their production. crew, I removed from that. The crew, I removed from that. All right, let's, let's circle it back here. We have a bunch of other stuff. Um, freaking. <laughs> do we want to expand on this with all four of us in here, this Kyle Hamilton situation? I mean, th- I brought it up earlier, but I mean, it's an ascension. It's a full fledged ascension, and he's incredibly exciting to watch. And, and the st- I, he, he makes wow plays. I mean, I know Roquan and Patrick Queen do that a little bit too, but Kyle Hamilton makes plays, and you're like, wow, was that really as good as I thought? And they show the replay, and you're like, wow, he did just kind of the Jalen Guyton him manning up on Jalen Guyton downfield trail tech has the jersey, but doesn't yank it. Just yeah, has so him good. there, has him there because that does to a receiver lets you know, hey, I'm here, I've got you, I've got you, and it makes them want to try to draw a DPI, and then you can just let go. He's step for step with him in the end zone too on that third down. I know they scored yep. right after it, but like he was right there. He was. He made yeah. sure that it wasn't an easy throw. I do think Guyton got a step on him, but he made sure it wasn't just a like Zay Flowers he closed had it out real well. He's just so long. He's so long. Yeah, that one where he was, uh, he got. Wow. That one where he got, he kind of. <laughs> world down but like he reached his arm out i forgot who he uh got the foot of there but he turned like what probably would have been a five plus yard gain into a three yard loss i mean he's just like a what he does on screens is unbelievable he's he like also, he's, he's, he forces he's that better, delay game jumping around he, he's just cam chancellor was the kind like the comparison he's better than cam chancellor he, he he just has a knack for being involved even like i see one of the comments here him him showing blitz there and just herbert just losing his brain for a second taking delay a game like herbert that, that could happen for numerous reasons but i'm fucked i think herbert realized yeah i'm fucked if i don't think yeah that. he just is around around the football around the action like anything he does on the field it's impacting the other side and it's you could tell that they're starting to see him on tape and they're just constantly in their own heads about him like where's 14 yeah, I think he uh, is becoming the one that you look for on that that back end or that second level for sure. Yeah, it's uh it's all pro now. That's a conversation. It's not just Pro Bowl anymore. He is he's firmly in the all pro conversation. I think they might have said this on the broadcast, but like my God. And, and like I said, perfect to have that in a spot like this, late season, big game, prime time, him and Zay Flowers breakout. But I mean, as far as he goes, I mean, we all know I'm, you know. A little bit of a closet in Notre Dame guy, so that that was huge. You, Brian, obviously you too. So the the and, and the I mean, he's just going to continue to be on big stages for the rest of the season. I mean, he's on Sunday night in two weeks, then they're on the primetime game, the Monday night game or whatever that is, and then the Dolphins game is going to get flexed. So he's going to be on on primetime games the rest of the year. I mean, it's all all be- through pro- all through the most important part of the football season. He's going to be on primetime showing out. Kyle Hamilton was born in two thousand and one. Yeah, that's really 22 crazy. years old doing yeah. what he did tonight. Um, the, other, the only other Isaiah likely thing I was going to say was I think in this game they showed Munkin showed you utilizing him as in a similar sort of safety valve way to Mark Andrews, but doing it differently. It's like, okay, on that first and 15, let's just get him out in space and let him get the like eight yards we would have gotten from Mark, Mark Andrews just like standing in the spot and being big and catching the football. I thought that was like they used him in some different ways that I liked. Um, they the used Ravens him. did a pretty good job, and Spenny, you can you you're you have this all in your brain much better than I do. But like when they get they, when they got behind the sticks a couple times tonight, they came up with some play calls that kind of got them back on schedule a little bit in second down, which I thought quick, was quick, quick moving downhill, and everyone knew in those situations whoever the ball carrier was, whether it was Lamar on a run play, whether it was a back, whether it was a receiver tight end. They knew stick your foot in the ground, get as many yards back as you can. Yep. There was Mitchell, no Mitchell did that wear back game. up. Ha ha. No, it was turn, go, turn, go. Very efficient. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with Keith Williams because he he really is big on intentional movement, efficient movement. I've seen him in training camp and practice talking about that stuff. Um, those like are interesting. What, what, Lamar Lamar yeah. rolling at that Keaton Mitchell play was a perfect example of that where a lot of guys would have like stood there and looked to make – he just put his foot in the ground and got to the first down. Beautiful. Attacking the sticks. And the interesting thing about likely to me what I saw, and I'll go back and watch, but – Likely, right before Andrews got hurt, the the Dolphins started that whole movement of fast motion in, fast motion out. Kind of, we're we're seeing players angle their body pre snap. Kelsey will be lined up like that a lot. We'll see with like T Higgins sometimes too. 
they were using that to get Andrews open. They were using likely to diagnose coverage. And I think that gets into a different ballpark of having receivers that are quick and fast and explosive being guys that are going to be the primary reads as opposed to it being Andrews a lot more. They were putting Andrews in motion, kind of like in a Monroe St. Brown or a Cooper Cup, because he's not that fast relative to other guys. So it's like, well, we're going to give him a running head start. But instead now it's, okay, likely he's going to tell us what the coverage is, and then it's Zay Flowers, Bateman, Odell, Aguilar. They're going to be that primary read. So, um, And I, it was just peculiar because Odell started out so strong. Bateman made a couple nice snags, dropped one. You know, Zay got involved early and then it just it just really got away from them at the end of that first half. And I guess to tie it back, man, it just it just feels like and I saw someone say this and I do love Harbaugh, but they were like John Hart. They were like uh, Harbaugh's a pants peer and he turns everybody else into a pants peer by peeing his pants. And it just it just felt like everything was under control until they didn't go. They didn't challenge and then they didn't uh run a normal play or kick a field goal they run some bullshit that it feels like he was involved on and then it just all of the nice rpos all of the nice calm lamar everything just melted away and we have jake just pulled up jonah schaefer basically it was a night and day difference lamar under pressure versus not under pressure no pressure 16 for 20 159 and a touchdown pressure two for 12 for 18 yards two for 12 under pressure melted and i like that comment they turned into john harbaugh peed his pants and it turned them into pants pierced they were playing it's a game just, of spot out there it they just feels like a such a snowball don't it play snowballs it. every time they can't snap back out of it when that situation starts to happen in those games yeah it's uh like that that's really what it comes down to and i think they they have kind of shown the ability to clutch up at times throughout the season i think that first Bengals game was a, a really good example of that they haven't really needed to a ton they they've kind of gotten away in a lot of these games and kept their leads but you know it, it's this one there was a little little bit a little bit of you know trickle going on i think they tightened it up at the end there which was nice and then you know you think back to some of these other games and Obviously, Pittsburgh and the Colts sort of stand out. And ultimately, it's just I I think this gauntlet of games, you got to think that these are going to be some pretty close tight games against really good teams, some of which are on the road. It's going to be a good litmus test for the playoffs here. No matter what happens, they're going to get some good experience and hopefully it, they can turn it into a learning experience because it's only going to get harder from here. And once you get into January. Yeah, I do. I do think it's nice that like in the parts where I think probably every fan was like, oh, no, here we go again in terms of blowing a lead and losing that they just didn't do it. Like yeah, they just won. Yeah, no, it's a way to get it done. When I was I was sitting there, you know, with my roommate, we're watching the game, and I'm like, here. I mean, we were looking at each other, like, well, I guess we're gonna lose this. Like, this is just kind of how these have been going, and they just made enough plays to get it done. So, like, that's the positive spin, and that's really what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. They're they're nine and three. Like, and it makes you feel good too because it felt like they were able. Their defense, you know, they had the. The Colts game, the Steelers game, it felt like they wanted the Steelers to score touchdowns so they could get the ball back so the Steelers wouldn't run the clock out and kick a field goal. Um, so I won't even count that one. But Browns game happens, Colts game, and it, it felt like we were starting to see those themes again, the Bengals a little bit, you know, whatever. Uh, Bengals hanging around. And just knowing that they're going to get a bye and get rested again, I, I think it was, like Taylor said, I think it's just so perfect to head into the bye week, not cruising, thinking you're the man, going down and getting on a yacht before the playoff game and smoking blunts and doing whatever. Instead, Hopefully no, like, uh, no Tim's and shirtless on a yacht. Cause no shirtless Tim smoking backwoods on the, on the yacht there. It instead is we have work to do. Let's get rested. Let's get our reps in. Let's have some conversations. Clearly things are not ready to rock and roll all that way. Uh, but playoffs are locked up. I declared the playoffs locked up like two or three weeks ago, but. And who are they for, like, really anyone right now, I think? And it goes back to, I think, Tom Brady's comments recently, where it's just the quality of play is down. It's, and, you know, interesting coming from the source there with Tom a little bit, I think. Uh, but I don't know. I thought, I thought he made some salient points. And uh, I don't know. I just t generally tend to agree. I think the Chiefs kind of, they just kind of got the rabbit's foot up their ass, and they're going to win a lot of those types of games. But even they, they look pretty beatable to me right now. Uh, but even, you know, they're still the gold standard. And, you know, I, I still think more than likely – AFC is going to run through uh, Kansas City, but the Bills, they drop another one today. Dolphins, they've looked beatable as well. So relative to your competition, 
you're looking pretty much on par. You do want to look a little bit better, but the fact that they are nine and three, they're in the driver's seat right now heading into their buy and good thing. You got to that buy at nine and three, a late buy is a good thing when you can get there with a lot of wins. So. Certainly um, a couple, a lot of comments about Zay flowers screens. I, I still love them. Make the, I like that Munkin makes the defense respect the width of the field. I think that was a fault of the Roman era was allowing defenses to flood the middle of the field where Lamar Jackson does prefer to operate in high leverage passing downs. Um, you know, yeah, the, the chargers were playing soft. Then they started to come up. They started to stack the line and they, I mean, Khalil Mack was just beating their ass too. Yeah. He has having a hell He's of a year. Good. and was just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it comes down to me. Like all this freaking out about the coaching, this and that, they, like a lot of, a lot of this shit just comes down to talent, man. Like who's got the best player versus not the best player. And that's what we saw with that tackle matchup and then moving Mac around. And then we saw that with Zay Flowers closing the game out. Glad they have the talent for the uh, floor there. Brian, I want to get your thoughts on Gerald Everett's uh, Ray Lewis celebration. in the <laughs> Yeah, no, that got everybody pretty fired up. And I, to be honest, I thought that the game was over right then and there. I was like, we're going to respond in a big way here. We just can't have that happen, especially on national television. So, um, yeah, he's not the first one to do it. I don't remember anyone like really coming through on the, and it's just a crazy move to do it when you're losing I mean, and the, getting the beaten like a drum all night. The TO one. Yeah, I mean that's the most notorious. Yeah, I think Odell but, did um, miss him once. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess while we're on the topic of the celebrations, um, there's a lot of conjecture out there about the Zay Flowers uh, celebration. The first one, my question more so is. Why is that one coming out before the penalty kick one? This penalty kick one was so good. That was sick. So good. What's that about? Pinaldo. I don't know. Maybe he, I think great he's job by NBC having the the um, wedding music ready. Very nice production work. Yeah, I I like them both. I I don't know. I Lamar is just f- like furiously against that first. Yeah, a little a little weirdly no fun from Lamar. I mean, yeah. geez, man, like. Let the guy have some fun. Zay, the clip of Zay Flowers like following him, being like, "Dude, like, like, what's like, what's the issue? Like, why are you?" He called it ass in the post in the post game presser. Lamar, he's still talking about it. She got a great ass. Yeah, it it truly mm. it truly uh, hurt Lamar. Like he was disappointed in his little buddy. He's like, my little buddy's out here doing some sussy stuff. I kind of like it. You know, we got to, you know, we got to tighten up the coaching. We got to tighten up our celebrations. You know, there, there, there's a lot to, the, the clappers got to tighten up some things. Everyone's, everyone's working on stuff still. Season, you know, it's just getting underway here. A lot of football left. A lot of football left. Um, man, bye week, Ravens win. Nine and nine and three, man. Nine and three. Baltimore Ravens move to nine and three. And, they have, I'm, when was the last time they were nine and three? It's been a long time. 2019. Yeah. Been a minute. Other than that, I mean, this is the, this is one of the three four best starts in franchise history. It's Probably not often you get off to a start like this. Oh, 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 oh six. I imagine they were ve- they were nine and two, if I'm not mistaken, at one point in oh six, and they got they nine nine lost three games all season. So they were nine yeah. and two in 2012, and then. Uh, some stuff happened. They were nine and two in 2012, right? So, one of the four best starts or so, um, ultimately. And I don't know. You make a good point, Jake. At the end of the day, like the quality of plays down, but they're finding ways to win. And I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll do it. The Ravens have won the AFC North. I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson's getting the getting his not for long. Beat. Not for long. Getting his booty beat. Steelers are kind of hanging out there. Uh, the Steelers, sure. By the sure. way, it is the. I mean, I looked at this earlier, and I'm pulling it back up so I don't get it wrong. The Steelers' schedule down the stretch is so manageable. It's easy. Cardinals at home, Patriots at home, and by the way, the New England Patriots. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, they are so bad. Um, Colts at the Colts. Um, versus versus me and Brian's guy Jake Browning and the Bengals, um, who you and I thought was frisky, didn't work out well today. Um, never forget the Jake Browning Sam Darnold number one overall pick race. Yeah, um, we hardly we hardly knew you at the Seahawks at the Ravens. I mean, 
could easily win. They're not going to probably because the nature of how they play at some point, they're just not going to be able to score enough points, but they played well offensively today that like they could be, they could win all five. Like they got have 12 wins. It's crazy. It's amazing. That team could be have 12 wins rolling into the game. I refuse to accept that reality. 10 wins, 10 wins max. I refuse. No, I, I agree really with you. It's, it's, but they're grinding out wins, man. Mike it's there in front of them. Grinding out wins. So. It most certainly is. Anything else? Any fleeting thoughts? Anything else on this one? We're, we're coming up towards an hour here. It's a late game. If you're listening, if you're watching, please go ahead and like and subscribe to the Exit 52 YouTube channel. We only did this one on YouTube. We appreciate you guys so much. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our best shot. We gave it the old college try at our instant analysis. We, we do what we can here. Um <laughs> Jake's boy, John Simpson. <laughs> Didn't know what to do after. That's incredible. People also are... an amazing screenshot that they use in this. <laughs> see, John Simpson, like some of the funniest pictures you'll ever see somehow come out of John, John Simpson in the locker room. He's uh he's quite the memeable individual. So had to get that in there. I have, I have such a good, stupid, like Instagram that I just thought of for our Instagram account. Somebody posted four and seven of gerald everett doing the, ronald, uh, the ronald, tooth, ronald tooth our guy shout out to ronald tooth um and i'm just gonna put i'm gonna steal that from him give him credit and uh i'm gonna put the song hot and her on and say brandon staley's seat sure is getting hot mm. i mean i mean his seat might be his nuclear at this point. I think he, might, he might be wake up he might wake up next morning and the ejector seat gets hit and he's just you know out yeah. in the, floating in that's the, the that's the ejecto seat cause situation yeah. I think well, I think he might be waking up to a pink slip. The only thing I was gonna say because you talked about like the context of the overall play in the league, and there were so many bad matchups today on paper. Um, the Bills Eagles game is probably the game of the year so far. Oh yeah, big time. Incredible. That was fun. We were we were like we were uh, we were doing a quick little kind of pre. We didn't get a preview show out, so we were doing a quick little pregame show to get our predictions out there. And I was telling him it was like the SpongeBob meme with the guy like turned around like we were both watching our TVs as we were kind of trying to break this game down. That was, yeah, that was an awesome game. All, Broncos Browns. Good game. Mr. Unlimited slowly kind of coming, you know, getting, <laughs> yeah. The, yep. getting yep. Like, here comes Sean Payton. Here yep. comes Sean Payton, six and five. Sean yeah. Payton. The pregame, uh, Chris Thompson, uh, and Sean Payton, like suck fest of the great turnaround in Denver. And it's like, okay, they're five and five. Let's let's. Let's pump the brakes here a little Did bit. Did you get any uh, good exclusives from Sean out of that? Or Oh, boy. Taylor, I'm sure you've got thoughts on this. Journalist I don't know. I, it's, so, it's so tough. I don't know why she would have ever – why she – She said it a long time ago. That was like the third she time did. she did. I don't know why she said it again. You know what's going to happen. You know that everyone's going to do exactly what they did and put out 5,000 quote tweets being like, this is an abomination against the world of journalism. I mean, you know, you're going to get that. It's not going to cost her a job. Sure. She's fine. I guess it probably costed her some credibility amongst her peers. I, what? I don't think it does though. What has anyone ever really listened to the head coach? Like there'll be like the Greg Popovich's of the world or like, I, I can't think of an NFL one who made a career of just dunking on Craig Sager and like not actually saying anything. That was more just for entertainment value. It is exactly. amazing that pop pop's ability to be a media darling and just not participate in anything. The media ever wants him to do. It's probably because of his, of his politics, but like <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's what it is for sure. He's outspoken in, in that way, but like he, he just, makes reporters lives a living hell in the silence everyone's like oh pop oh pop like, just doing his thing and then yeah, just, just being and a then brandon staley's like stop asking me these questions everyone's like ew it's like the gordon ramsay meme like the you know shut up you fucking donkey um but yeah no pop a, another a rough night for pop the other night too grabbing the mic saying stop yeah, doing, i mean that what, what just doing? felt that just felt and he looks like Donald Sutherland. I can't. I just like Jeremy De La Rosa, big Spurs fan. I think I think that's his name. He's uh, he tweets at me a lot of a lot of Spurs updates because I complimented also, Wendy. Cool there guy. are some times where the booing on guys coming back is stupid, and the Spurs fans should have every right to boo Kawhi Leonard. Like yeah. he just hated playing there. <laughs> like outwardly <laughs> wanted to leave. It's like oh that's fine, boo him. It's like whenever Rashid Suleiman, no matter what jersey he was wearing, he I went back to North Kawhi Carolina. Definitely doesn't care. It's like whatever. It worked out for me. Yeah, I won with you. I won with Toronto. I think it worked out for them too. But that's I think it's low key song. reverse psychology. <laughs> like that, you get Kawhi to start thinking about it by saying "stop booing." He's like, "What? Why are you? Why are you doing this?" 
I didn't subtle, know what you're subtle reverse psychology. <laughs> that, what, to, to circle back to the quality of play, they showed the, like it, the AFC playoff picture graphic during that Eagles Bills game, and you just look at the teams, and there's just not. You just don't feel like there's a ton of contenders. And it just that strikes me every week. I keep waiting for there to be more good teams. Yeah, like it NFL, would be great. There's just be, not that many. It would be great to be the one shining star among you know this group of whatever we got going on with the league this year. But it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So all you can do right there's now still is still a lot keep, of football left. Yeah, a lot of ball, a lot of ball game left. You can just we're keep not that deep. We're points. pretty deep, but we're not that deep. Like yes. you, it, it does it. Do we feel like? And then we can, we can get out of here. But it feels like a clear top four, right? Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens, 49ers. Sure. Dolphins, Dolphins are. I, I feel Dolphins, like yeah. You catch yeah. Dolphins or the Cowboys I do think, the the, I do my, think that the Cowboys are pretty sure. good, but no, you can't even analyze the Cowboys at this point because it just becomes a gigantic, like first take skipathon. So you yeah. can't even really analyze them as a football team. I do like the Dolphins. I, do I like Dolphins the. Too. I'll say I like the Jags too. Okay. We do have 49ers Eagles next Sunday, four twenty-five. Oh. After that Bills game, the Eagles Eagles win that man. The Eagles are just in banger after banger after banger. If the Eagles win that game, they won't win the Super Bowl. That's gonna. I'll I'll say that. That is the definition of. And then the Eagles go to Dallas on Sunday Night Football. I mean, what a schedule! Truly, then it's very easy after that. Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Yeah. Couple couple layups there. They'll they'll be Giants double dip there is pretty wild. But this is an incredible stretch for them. Cowboys at home at the Chiefs, home for the Bills, home for the 49ers at the Cowboys. Mm. Tough. A lot of a lot of TV ratings. What do you guys think about ratings. you guys want to talk Dolly Parton and Jack Harlow? You want to talk? You want to talk <laughs> oh about my that? god. I know you got some thoughts on Dolly that I, I don't know. I if could be Jack Harlow. Problem. I could be Jack Harlow. Like no, the Dolly thing was the Dolly thing was very bizarre. I but the Jack Harlow thing was tough to watch. It felt like that was just that felt like Marky Mark on the Manning cast. Like you did I don't even want to be around anymore. How is the NFL not just brought in Creed to do it again? Like if that's that's that the meme is so like it was in Dallas. I mean it's it's in Dallas. Every, it. Yeah, just bring just it back. Do it. Yeah, I'm seeing Creed. Uh, and by the way, the NFL knew what they were doing putting Dolly Parton out there too. I mean that they knew what that was going to happen there. Like God damn, I thought Eric was going to have a five alarm fire in his house. I mean the stuff that he was saying. <laughs> God, he's not on here to defend himself, but something wrong with that guy. Yeah. My God, after his yeah. I honestly couldn't see. I was like cooking and couldn't see and was like, how naked is she? And then I like got close to TV. I was like, okay, she's wearing like tights and stuff. I was like, all right. For a second, I was like, whoa. It was fine. I mean, it's just like they knew exactly what they're doing, putting 70 years. PFT said if there was a queen of the United States, it'd be Dolly Parton. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, I I don't hate that. Yeah, Middle America fucking loves Dolly Parton. She has yeah, her own theme park. park. It's the largest wooden roller coaster theme park in the yeah, world. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I've been to Dollyland. It's a delight. It was just such a it was just a bizarre sequence of events. She's obviously out there like doing her thing. She's like covering Queen songs, which was weird. And then <laughs> Ro- Romo, Romo just uh, Romo. <laughs> I just don't know what he's doing there. Like, come on, man. He was talking to like, Jim in such a weird way. Like asking for Jim's opinion on things football related that was making me start to and I I still like Romo like I'll still I do too I like Nance too I just think those guys those guys have maybe become too good of friends and it almost feels like they're just kind of up there chatting which can he'll be, be like good. he'll be like I don't know Jim what do you a lot of think times, that the Eagles should have done and Jim's like I don't know run the ball. Like yeah, but like you feel like a conversation. Like Joe, just, I think Joe and Troy are boys, but they keep it they keep it dialed, man. Just dialed. They're, they're like, yeah, they're by the way, they're far away the best team right now. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh yeah. Al Michaels' story of on the Friday, the Black Friday game of how Mike McDaniel met his wife. I don't know if you guys watched that game. It was Did the watch worst. A second of it. I please Taylor, please go watch this. Search Al Michaels, <laughs> Mike McDaniel wife, and you'll find it. I'll find it for you. He was trying to deliver a story with comedic effect and cadence about Mike McDaniel effectively uh, met his wife, I think, at a club or a bar when he was coaching at a college and a player was dancing with his now wife. And he was like, get away from her or, or you're not like allowed to practice tomorrow. He just like was like he just like big league. Wow, this like, is to your girl. Mike yes. And, and then ended up marrying that woman. He delivered it so awkwardly and so out of like rhythm and emphasis on the wrong syllable that Kirk Herbstreet is sitting there like this and it's showing the booth. He's like, Yeah, Al. 
Oh, 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 wow. Okay. Yeah, Al was also uh, just absolutely dunking on Dave Chang and his, his sandwich that he gave him there. He saw the green thing in there and he was yeah, just using Al, um, Al, Al, it's, it's time, it's, it's time for Al to, to hang it up. So, and, Taylor and, and I had that Tyre, conversation Tyre maybe three or four or years ago. Tyreek got married to Kenny Vaccaro's yeah. sister and Tyreek scores a touchdown, runs up, gives his wife a ball, the ball. And I was like, oh, well, after he was just talking about how he recently got married as part of their little graphics package, <laughs> he's like, well, I sure hope that's his wife. And I was like, Al, I don't know I like if you're Al, or not. Al, I don't know if you're kidding. Al had an incredible run. I also don't Al's know Al. Legend. Al, Al is a fucking legend. He should 100%. be allowed to be involved in broadcasting in some capacity. It's unfortunate because like Vern Lundquist, like he'll be in that tower at 16 in Augusta until he dies which, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, that's not going to happen anytime soon. I'm not saying that. Shout out to all my John Madden people that still come after me for that. Uh, Vern is a legend. You don't really have that with football, especially with a guy like Al. Like, you can't just kind of, like, put him somewhere to have the occasional kind of hop in, you know, parachute in. You can't hide him. Quick take. Yeah, so that's going to be tough. But Al's Al's a legend. Let's everybody – let's just enjoy the novelty. Fox Fox is doing it with Terry Bradshaw every Sunday. We'll say that. Corso, too, on game day. I mean, it's the same. That's it's all, true. Yeah, but by the way, the way they get Corso through those shows every week is an incredible job by them. Yeah. And 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 he Corso still has it. Like he still does. Like he he's you know given the great pick to Aiden Hutchinson. Like he, I mean, he's him putting the Buckeye thing like waving at the. I mean, he's still got it. It's just you know. But yeah, they do a good job his, his pick stinks. That was yeah. That was like he's it's still all that. I mean, what a legend. Lee Corso is such a legend. I love that guy. But yeah, Michael's getting and Herb Street, I don't even know if he knows what football he calls. He we, he does so many freaking things. Him and his dog, man. I was gonna say the big Ben maintenance is probably the, do- the, the, the dog is becoming a social media star. Oh. Well that he should be. Yeah, what a, what a, it's what like a the random bar- he was barking at the AKC on Thanksgiving, he was barking at the uh the, the AKC. The dog show. Yeah. Yeah, he's barking at the dog show, just like jumping and barking. You can also tell the dog's old, but not too too old. Herbie Herbie's done an incredible job of being entirely overexposed and not being unlikable everyone still likes him he's on tv constantly and he's still he takes his stance too he's a pretty no he's good fiery guy every single week at some point it's usually always college football he doesn't really have any fire about the nfl and he's you open about t- that he says college tell, football is way better. you can kind of tell he's there getting a check by the way the visual of desmond howard and urban meyer standing within 10 feet of each other as the uh that end of the ohio state michigan game happened and desmond howard is just losing his shit celebrating at urban no, he's charles woodson I think or, charles yeah charles woodson, woodson i'm sorry yeah, yeah. And charles woodson just like, a lot of michigan guys involved. yeah too many michigan men but yeah and then urban just kind of slinking away as, as seawood is just fucking sell it just it was perfect it was so good. the end zone it was amazing what an unbelievable game that was. What an unbelievable week. The Thanksgiving games were pretty freaking – I mean, that Lions game was awesome. The, the Commanders-Cowboys was awful. Yeah, it was uh, It's fine. That was fine. We needed that. That was like dinner time anyway. I fell asleep for the third game. I'd, I'd eaten so much. I, well. I watched a little bit of the Egg Bowl, which was a terrible game. There's also a lot of good college basketball on. There was a lot of good, a lot of good college football. I mean, the the Apple Cup was sick. Um, the Oh, my God. The Alabama Maryland rubber game. Iron Bowl was – Iron Bowl was amazing. Yeah, Iron Bowl was an all-timer. Um, yeah, just a, a big, big big football weekend. And a great way to close it out here. How about that? Great way to close it out. Heading into the bye week, we'll get championship football, Alabama-Georgia next. Oh, Oregon-freaking-Washington. Oregon-Washington might be the best football game of the year. Or the or the the football game of the year besides the Ravens, I'm looking forward to the most. I hope Washington. Awesome. I, I hope Washington really straps it in because I I, f- I have a feeling Oregon might run away with. That. I would love a thrilling Big Ten championship. I don't know if we get it, but I would just love Iowa to just take Kirk that. Ferenc, just I, just is putting his nuts. Like, I love Michigan. I've always been Iowa. Like, the oh. year they they got it down to the goal line there in the Big Ten championship and came up short. Yeah, it has a lot of that energy. It's Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. So now we get bye week, we get championship week, and man, it's a perfect it's a perfect week to have a bye week with just being able to watch all the college football games. Perfect, perfect week, most certainly. And it's a perfect time for you guys to like and subscribe to this channel if you are still with us. Been over a hundred of you guys this whole time, so we appreciate everybody tuning in. Ravens move to nine and three, sole possession of first place as things stand. We'll see in two weeks how that cookie crumbles as the Ravens have a pretty tough stretch ahead of them thank you so much for listening and we'll uh, we'll get you guys out of here
Yep, absolutely. You can uh, follow the show on all the social media at XF52Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can find me at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens. Four Dummies, that is the number four. Taylor is at Taylor Smith 10. Ryan is at Barstool Banks. Eric is at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. YouTube, go subscribe to that sucker. Like all the videos, comment on them, get that algorithm pumping. We absolutely love it. Uh, and we absolutely love that the Ravens. I was on TikTok. I'm going crazy on TikTok. You're, you're, starting, to, you're starting to get really dip the toes in there. I'm liking yeah, that. Nothing, I, it's, I'm enjoying your TikTok. Nothing gets me more fired up than TikTok likes. So go that like is the platform that was built for you, by the way. I'm surprised you're just coming to it. Uh, I don't I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy, too much noise. I don't like noise on my phone often. That doesn't that, that seems like you're you're an overstimulation guy. So that surprises me. But okay. Well, well, that's enough. That's talking TikTok strategy, but yeah, plenty more of that. Go follow it there. Appreciate all the interaction here, guys. Like you said, plenty of people hanging out with us here on the uh, post game. Uh, some negatives, uh, but a lot of positive to take, to take away from it, too, as the Ravens are 9-3. Nice bye week. Nice little you know relaxation, relaunch point here for the Ravens as they head into a critical stretch, like we've said. So thanks again for staying up late with us, guys, and we will talk to you again very soon. See you. Arrivederci.